This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Today it is a very special show as we talk autism, understanding the condition as well as addressing the stigma, the myths and the stereotypes. We're putting it all out there as our very own Big Haas is here. He's going to be sharing his experiences with his son Ahmed and we're also going to be joined by Adam Griffin, Head of Occupational Therapy at Autism Rock Support Centre. Get in touch with the show. 4215 is the text line or you can DM us at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram. All of that that and so much more is coming up right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 95. 95. Every day. Pulse 95. It's a Sharjah story. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. I am not familiar with calm the remedy. Calm down. Calm down, sweetie. Sweetie, calm down. It would be better calm if you down. could get her to sit calmly. To try to control her. What are you talking about? But we were told self-stimming is good. It eventually calms them. Self-stimming? Yes, self-comforting. Self-stimulation. Rocking, spinning, rolling on the floor, flapping. Well, I think spinning is good. And then rolling, too. Self-stimulation does seem to eventually calm the nervous system. It can be a way to compensate for not being held. Being held by another person is scary, but but rolling or or being held by surfaces produces the calming effect that ordinary children get from a hug. How old's your child? Well, I don't have children. No, I'm autistic. And I need the sensation of being hugged. Now, I've developed a machine that I get into and hugs me, and I'm different afterwards. I'm more social. Well, I didn't speak until I was four. Now I have a BA and a master's, and I'm studying for my doctorate. Most autistic people are very sensitive to, to sounds and colors. Overstimulation hurts. You know, people talking too much at once you know, can cause us to panic. How did you get cured? Well, I'm not cured. I'll always be autistic. My mother refused to believe that I wouldn't speak. And when I learned to speak, she made me go to school. And in school and at home, manners and rules were really important. They were pounded into me. I was lucky. All these things worked for me. Everyone worked hard to make sure that I was engaged. And they knew I was different, but not less. I had a gift. I could see the world in a new way. I could see details that other people were blind to. My mother pushed me to become self-sufficient. I worked summers at my aunt's ranch. I went to boarding school and college. Those things, those things were uncomfortable for me at first, but they helped me to open doors to new worlds. Excuse me, please, but... We want to hear everything. That right there was the incredible Temple Grandin as uh, portrayed in the movie 
by the one and only Claire Danes. Now, the prevalence of autism has increased by 600% in the last 20 years. In 1975, an estimated one in 1500 had it in 2014. Now we're seeing an estimated one in 59 with autism spectrum disorder. Today we are opening up the conversation on a condition that is often talked about and yet little understood. We want to separate the facts from the myths and break down the misconceptions. To start our conversation today, I'm excited to welcome to the LifeBeat studio for the very first time, Adam Griffin, Head of Occupational Therapy at Autism Rock Support Centre, as well as... Abu Ahmed, our very own big Haas. Welcome, guys. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> Wa alaikum assalam. It's an absolute joy to be here. It's amazing to have you both. Uh, and this is such a, an important topic. What's uh, interesting is, um, uh, Adam, you've got uh, a wealth of experience in this area. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- this kind of... I would hear about this all the time, but it came really to my attention working here at Pulse95, working with uh, Big Haas. And anybody who's heard Big Haas knows how passionate he is about his son and about the condition that he lives with every single day. And, you know, so I want to start with you, Big Haas, and, and why you're so passionate about this, why it's so important to you. Man, uh, first of all, thank you so much, Sally, for arranging this. I'm already a fan, uh, and I just hope I don't really get emotional. Uh, it's it's uh, it's Go important. For it. I mean, We're putting uh, it all autism. Out there. Um, my son Ahmed, um, you know, and uh, he's uh, he's eight years old now, and he, uh, you know, he's he's my hero. You hear that, of course. Um, I'm very passionate about it because, you know, look, I'll be very very honest with you. He changed me. That that's simple. He taught me patience, um, and uh, you know, I just see the world, uh, you know, differently through him so I'm very vocal about that um, because it's the same thing so I'm also passionate about hip-hop and there's obviously a lot of misconception about hip-hop and autism there's a lot of misconception about it as well so that goes in line in line and I do believe that the God doesn't give you anything you cannot handle and that's one of the reasons why I'm definitely passionate about that but he's just an incredible kid regardless of whether autistic or not I don't like to put a label on people but yeah, he's like my hero in every single way. And I'm just really proud and honored to be here uh, with you, Adam, today. Adam, th- you know, let's start with uh, what is autism, because I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, we hear so much about it, but we don't understand it. So help us to kind of break it all down. Where do we start with this? Yeah, this is one of the issues with the label of autism, because it's kind of, it's become the neurological boogeyman now. A lot of parents are so terrified and there's so much in the public media and online It's one of these words like parenting itself or diet. If you put it into Google, the internet just explodes with all very passionate, very polarizing, very emotional opinions. But what it really is, it's a type of neurological diversity is the way I don't it's not it's even wrong to think about it as something that's incorrect or something that's wrong or broken in the child. I love the way in that the way you started with that Temple Grandin clip was beautiful because she talked about how she's different. She's not less than other people because of this. But the way young people with autism, the issues that they have, there's um, a hugely broad range of ability. And this is one of the challenges with the label of autism. You could have someone who will be nonverbal, require 
assistance for everyday tasks and will continue to do so for a long time into adulthood. But at the same time, you can have people who have average or way above average intelligence, who can hold down careers, who can be university educated, who can be college professors, and they still range in the autism spectrum. When you're trying to understand where it is, that word is good to cling to, spectrum. It's a massive range. Don't think this person is more profoundly affected or more disabled, or this one is less disabled. It's more that they're different. When you know one child with autism, you know one child with autism. That's a bit of a cliche, but it's very, very true. Mr. Adam, I love this guy. I'm just saying this is one of the main things as a parent I faced. The word spectrum. Thank yeah. you for saying that. And the problem is, uh, Sadi, I wanted to say this on your show. In Arabic, when you say autism disorder, in Arabic, it's it's very dark. So in Arabic, has a meaning of like you're you're crazy in a way. Or so that's the, that's the problem that we face in the Arab region. Yeah. So when you said spectrum, Subhanallah, there are no two kids that have autism that are the same. And that's very powerful what he said. I learned that because of my son. I, you know, I never really knew what autism is before that. To, to, yeah. to, to be very honest. So what you said really resonated. That's really interesting to me because even in the Arabic language, you have that little, it's the, there has a sort of dark connotations to it. Big time. But even in the broader world, there's it's the public perception of autism has a sort of negative yeah. idea. So when you have characters in the public media or characters in the zeitgeist that have a positive portrayal of autism or even better when you have people on like youtubers who are on the spectrum themselves and they're advocating for mm. autistic individuals but they're the voice of change also it's people like you too and people like the great sally musa giving giving this uh, platform you know autism in arabic somehow means you're lonely at tawahud right that's why people have a negative about you're lonely it it it, it, it comes from alone yeah well, the one of the issues i have a lot is a lot of this terminology and a lot of the public perception and it's the journey a lot of parents start off with me and when you see the label autism it seems like something to be fixed mm. especially with dads because we are kind of we're problem solvers so we want to think okay here's an issue i see a nail i've got a hammer let's slam it down fix yeah. this problem yeah. man oh man but let me pull it back to there are even though we there's a lot of positivity around it there are day-to-day challenges that typically make individuals with autism's lives a little bit more complicated than like the terminology we use it's not normal it's neurotypical as all our kids in class and the kids with autism are neurologically diverse so they're the kids with ASD I think that's such a great term I don't know if you agree Big House but Mm. neurodiversity that you know it's not just uh, racial diversity or cultural diversity actually in our very brains you know how we think how we do things People are neurodiverse. Exactly. I I, I always say this example. This happened to me um, about three months ago. We got a a toy for Ahmed. And this toy had three options in the back of how to do things. Sure. Three options, right? We give it to him. He opens it. He likes to open things. Like one of the greatest things. He opens it. We leave him for like a couple of hours. We come back. We look at what he did. It's not in the three. Yeah, I can see that coming. He created something else. So for me, I'm like, yo, that's that's great. Yeah, it's Temple Grandin has a a whole book about that, about mm. seeing the world in pictures, and about see, that it's bright, not broken, different, not less. Love that. But at the same time, these guys like to pull it back to what it presents as, what would the world looks like for kids on the spectrum, is they'll typically have issues with socialization and communication. So we're interacting with the world around them, especially the 
human world. So making those, making friendships, social connections, relating on an interpersonal level to the world. Another thing was what OTs have worked in for a long time, it's been added to the actual uh, diagnostic criteria, so how you diagnose autism, is a sensory differences. So experiencing the sensory world, lights and sounds, Temple mentioned that as well. It could be, some of my kids are very sensory seeking, so they want more of this. It's like they're starving for sensory input the whole time. And some are defensive. They're very sensitive to this. So mm -hmm. their little sensory cup overflows very easily. And then confusingly, most of my kids are both at different times of the day and depending on their mood and depending on their diet. Very they interesting. Can be a very, they're always a moving picture, a moving challenge. But then again, so are normal people, you know, like, like we have yeah. moods as well. So how can they not? Exactly you know, so. We, we need to expect that from them too. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'll, some, when you hear some of the YouTubers talking about this, it's like you're a visitor from a foreign country and no one speaks your language. Yeah. And you're trying to communicate with these people and you don't know how, you don't know how to relate to them. Mm. But when you start to understand more and it's having your mind open and your eyes open to this understanding and learn a little bit how these kids learn best, mm. then it makes everyone's life easier. It certainly makes a child's life less stressful, the household at home, the parents mm. less anxious, and the teacher's job a lot less stressful too because now you're not trying to hammer the square peg into a round hole anymore. It's very supportive and collaborative in nature. And a lot of my work is getting these heads together around the table and thinking you all want the same thing nominally. You're all pulling in the same direction to make this child learn and experience better, make them more available to the beautiful education that's going mm. on in the classroom. So how can you make that happen? And it's not a new problem, so there's ways to do that effectively. Everything he's saying is really music to my ears. For example, Ahmed, um, he eats only two kind of food, right? He, you know, he's he's sensitive about that. Sure. He doesn't eat candy. So when we meet other parents, how come he doesn't eat candy? Well, that's not really that bad if you don't eat candy, my man. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It, the, the, it's the way how we look at things as well. I think it makes a big difference. So perception plays a big role, Sav. It makes a, a huge difference, which is why we're doing this show. And uh, we have so much more to talk about. Adam Griffin is here from Autism Rocks and uh, Big Haas as well. He is sharing his experience. And uh, we have uh, questions as well that are coming in. We will be getting to those. If you want to get in touch with the show, make sure you do. 4215 is a text line number or uh, on Instagram as well. Uh, you can get us there at Pulse 95 Radio. More to come on Life Beats. This is Pulse 95. It's a Shaja story. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yeah, we're breaking down the misconceptions all around uh, autism today with Adam Griffin and Big Haas. Now, um, uh, Adam, kind of let's uh, talk. We've been talking about the, the spectrum, how broad it can be. You know, let's talk about how uh, it does present itself in kids. And, and you have a, a lot of experience in this area. You've seen, you know, the diversity in this particular condition. So let's talk about that. Yeah. What tends to happen, the kind of a clinical journey the parents face is, uh, if it's the first child, they'll highlight some difficulties, typically when the ch child goes into education, like nursery, when they're around older children. And this person, the nursery teacher who sees kids every day, realizes there's something, this child's interacting with the older child a little bit differently. Perhaps they're avoiding certain social cues, like they're not making as much eye contact, they're not having the shared enjoyment with older kids, hmm. and they're not playing the same way. Adam, so, can I just c cut you off here, just sure. because this is very interesting. You know what my nursery said to my son? He said he's weird. They didn't say interacting. Yeah, he yeah. said the, they used the term weird. He's, your son is weird, man. I'm like, what do you mean weird? That's our first son. We mm -hmm. didn't know that. This yet. is the oh, teacher yeah. saying this. Yeah, that's the teacher. That's what I'm saying. It's very important. What he said 
what Adam said was something along the lines of he's interacting differently he's not looking they they, mm. they break it down to you not yeah, just yeah. say your son is weird man like fix yeah, him yeah. like what yeah there's there's certain red flags that people tend to but because it's there's less awareness of it it's increasing this awareness but it still needs to improve an awful lot mm. people are like oh, i'm not sure what's going is it just a bold boy or do, do they not have enough support like there used to be massive misconceptions about oh was this refrigerator mom the mom wasn't connected with the child wow. this was the prevailing notion it for just decades. moved into like the the, oh, the, the judgment over yeah, parents yeah. oh absolutely because yeah. they think oh you're not doing something right you're dropping the ball so it's obvious they look for someone to blame and because it's it's mm. an insidious onset it's not something you can do a blood test for and say oh there it is <laughs> or you can find at birth oh you can see certain markers no it's something that appears gradually so some of the big red flags are interacting with the alert, how the child interacts with the other child things like eye contact a really big red flag is delayed language so mm. if there's no babbling before 12 months no spoken language like words and mamas and dadas before like 18 months no sentences with two or three words together before two years that's one of the biggest red flags another thing is that they seem to have a heightened sensory response to the world around them so if they're very uncomfortable with um like touch or tiling or getting their teeth brushed or the, even the feeling of certain fabrics. They're very fussy and hard to settle. They seem just like a very sensitive child. Now, a lot of these, there's a temptation that once you have these, once you have this list of symptoms, to hear hoofbeats and see zebras everywhere. So you think, oh, every, this is all autism. Not necessarily. Some of this may be the personality of the child. Mm. So you don't want to pathologize what's just personality, but it does not hurt to seek extra support and seek someone who is informed because there's a huge amount of misinformation out there. One of the biggest challenges as a clinician isn't the fact that people don't know autism, it's the fact that people think they do and they think they know what this is. For example, I've had families who go to their GP, go to a medical professional with many years experience, a pediatrician even, and will say, the child will look at the child, I mean, the doctor will look at the child for like 10 seconds and say, no, he's got eye contact, he doesn't have autism. Oh my goodness gracious, you can't eyeball this thing. It's something, there's specific gold standard tests, a thing called the ADOS and the ADI, which take a long time, but this is the best way to diagnose it. And there's still no infallible way. I've had kids, a lot of kids who are misdiagnosed. They didn't get, people will talk about, oh, my child got cured. No, 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 don't say that to me. You're going to make me mad if you say that to me. It's more that perhaps they were misdiagnosed or this issue, they improved skills and it became them like non-disabling. It didn't stop them doing the things they need and want to do, which is the definition of a disability. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, okay, they, they can be as functional and independent as anyone else. But if you have a child with autism, they will grow into a young adult with autism, a teen, and then into independent life with autism and each one of those stages of life will present its own unique challenges for that person but you can arm yourself not only that you can arm your child and make them almost inverbal invulnerable to the slings and arrows of fortune that the world's going to throw at them because we're really 100 like this is like temple was a trailblazer that the world wasn't prepared wasn't set out at all mm. for she had to find her own way and did it in a very heroic amazing way mm. it's still very challenging i'm not trying to say like this journey for parents it's emotional it's a big journey when you think you have these issues like tap down a lot of my parents have great i write sensory diets i spend a long time writing these sensory programs for parents and they work really well they're like 14 pages long and then my little boy that i'm working with will get to puberty and oh, then everything changes and everything gets dialed up to 11. Sorry, that's on the horizon as well. <laughs> but again, I'm looking forward for this. The is like, oh my yeah, gosh. But if you have like, out. if you have a teen boy with autism, 
that teen boy came before the autism bit, mm. so you have prepared them for that. But again, there's no new problems. I have great, really hilariously great materials for all these stages of life, but preparing them for the workplace, there's certain jobs, yeah. there's passions that each one of my kids have. One of the first things I'll ask in my initial meeting with a parent is, what does this child love? Because one of the things about our kids in the community is they have really focused passions. Yeah. And this can be a real boon as well. So when yeah. my kids like Marvel, <laughs> they like Marvel more than anyone likes Marvel. They love it. They're it's the biggest fan of the Hulk or whoever it is. They're the biggest part. expert. Exactly. They're obsessive about it. At the and minute. That's how you get in. The yeah. flavor of the moment. Like, I have so much material in my OT room that's used to be Minecraft related. Now... For better or worse, sorry parents, no, it's Fortnite related because <laughs> that's a language a lot of my yeah. kids speak. So we can get in there and we can have that shared mm. enjoyment. And then I push into music's a great one. Yeah. The way Big Haas has for hip hop, I have this for a martial art called Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, nice. which is kind of hardcore and awesome. And it's something my kids, a lot of them don't think they'll be able to do. But one of the things they'll do is forget about doing push-ups and reps. I'll hmm. teach them how to throw me over their head. Man. Whoa. That's sensory input for you. That, this is amazing. Mm. We have to continue this conversation right after the half-past headlines. This is amazing. I want to come back to you, Big Haas, and, and talk about, you know, how you do it with Ahmed, you know, how you found that in mm. with him, what makes him excited. And I'd love for other parents to share their experiences. And I need to share with you uh, an amazing tweet uh, that I saw the other day uh, about an incident that happened on a plane. And I want to get both of your opinions on it. There's so much to talk about here. Uh, amazing show with Adam and Big Huss. More to come in just a moment. This is Pulse 95. It's a Sharjah story. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, we're back with uh, Adam and uh, Big Huss. Big Huss, uh, you know, y- you were nodding all the way uh, as to everything that Adam was talking about just now. Uh, but I, I want to hear from you and your personal experience with your son, Ahmed, you know, mm. uh, from when he was uh, really little, when he got diagnosed, that your experience um, kind of into that. What happened? Yeah, big up uh, again, Sadie, for making this happen, knowing Adam, this is really incredible. So in my case, it was, uh, you know, we put him in nursery when he was uh, a couple of years old. We're very excited. He's in nursery, like, oh, wow, big deal for us. Um, Then we started getting messages from the nursery saying that he's acting weird. You know, he's not interacting with kids. He's alone on his own. This was at two? It was uh, two and a half. Two and a half, half, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. We started, you know, just, you know, Googling, I, I would say, at that point. And then um, some some, some of our friends have dropped that word to us. And then we said, okay, we didn't know how to handle it, really, you know. So I've asked a friend of mine who knows an occupational therapist from the States. We flew her in, and she did a test, you know, on him. And, you know, that was the uh, diagnosis. We really, I don't know how we took it. Just remembering back now, I think we took it as, okay, um, Bring it on, kind of, kind of vibe. Okay, you know. Did you know anything about autism? No, to be honest with you, nothing at all, whatsoever. And and we're in Saudi Arabia, and at that point, you know, I didn't know anything about autism. But again, I come from the background where I don't like to label things. So generally, Subhanallah, God put me in that, you know, in that in that position. Um, I think the most important thing, what Adam said, is how do you tell if if a kid is autistic, right? So Ahmed had the. 
Ahmed had the um, he wasn't the eye contact thing was not there, but also the the blabbing it was was there and then disappeared. Yeah. So it it came and then it went for a while, and then this is where people started to tell you, oh, okay, it's the diet, it's the food, it's the um, you know other things, and uh, we just got a lot of information. And all I wanted to know as a parent, I just want my kid to be okay, and and just you know just healthy. And alhamdulillah, he's healthy. He just thinks differently. Um, and about three years ago. Uh, this boiled up to a position where we really needed to do something and I felt that Saudi Arabia we were not able to do that and we we're not able to reach that level and I just left everything I left my career my work everything I, I, I am in Saudi Arabia moved here to the UAE and it's been uh, such an incredible you know journey because the understanding and the awareness from the public here if I may say publicly it's easier for us mm. there's a lot of things that he can do and um just looking at it back, back at it right now, it's 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 the best thing I've done because I don't know how he would have been in Saudi Arabia. Again, I'm talking publicly. You know that that perception is different. And and you know, in your experience with him, you know, as he's growing up and as he's interacting and playing and all the different things that he does. So, how have you kind of had to think differently and mm. you know react differently to accommodate you know how he thinks differently? You want the truth? Yeah. The truth Go is, on. I was not a patient man at all, at all. So with autism, like Mr. Ahmed, give me this, please. He wouldn't. Ahmed, give me the, come, give me this. And I and I was like really pushing it. I didn't understand, and now I understand. You just need to give it a little bit space, a little bit time. He taught me that. He he, he really taught me that. I keep saying it. I learned from seven year old. Mm. I wasn't paying. If you talk to my wife, you'd say Hus is is such a an energy ball. I'm not. I was. I don't know what patience is. Yeah, you're the complete opposite um, of yeah. Of, of, but you know, with calm him, and, yeah. yeah, with him now. Like it's, it's, it's really incredible One thing as well I gotta mention Is the perception From the people It's always been like Like Adam said When it comes to autism It's like The, the, the feeling sorry for On the contrary I really never felt sorry For, for anyone uh, with, with autism Because they really see The world in a different place and I, and I look at my son I look at other kids And I go like He's So one time Everyone was sitting Check this Adam Everyone was sitting down. We were in a place and everyone was sitting down. There was a lot of kids, like maybe 10, 12 kids. Ahmed was one of them. Ahmed started jumping. Everybody started jumping. And, 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 for, me, and for me, I think that is, I take it as a, maybe it's a leadership thing. Maybe it's like, you know, really everyone started copying what he does. Another thing I wanted to ask you, Adam, is the repetitive, the repetitive thing. Yeah. He likes to repeat things. So mm -hmm. if he's in the studio right now with us, he would circle around here and he'd go around just making it his environment. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's very, very common. So that's stereotype behaviors they talk about. And can be some of them can look quite inexplicable to neurotypical people. You're mm -hmm. like, what what is he doing this for? Every type of behavior is another form of communication. So there's always a reason for it. Even though it doesn't make sense to you, it sure is shooting makes sense to him. Mm -hmm. So that's why he'll get a certain <laughs> sense of comfort to it. You may find yeah. if he's stressed or anxious or even excited, you'll see these behaviors increase. <laughs> some of my kids will do it. Uh, here has to laugh, and I think this is kind yeah, of hitting yeah. home a little bit, that some of my kids will do it as a self-soothing thing, a calming thing if they're feeling anxious. Some of them will do these things if they're very excited to express pleasure, but it feels kind of comforting to them. Um, Temple Grandin, again, explains this very, very nicely. There's another great book called The Reason I Jump. It was oh, written by this Japanese kid. I love and this is the book that changed me at all. Big yeah, time. Yeah, it's a good it's one. Because it's simple. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. And even things like echolalia, like repeating the same words and phrases. Some of my kids will communicate almost exclusively from quotations from Disney Pixar movies yes. like they'll just quote and almost in the same sing-song way the same cadence and everything mm. that is in the movie but it's kind of wonderful and it's it 
it's one of the kind of beautiful tapestry of this individual child is they have unique presentations and they'll have their own strengths and difficulties but they will have things that they they excel in as well they'll have things that they love to do mm. and a lot of the work in the community and education unfortunately historically it's been about getting them to conform the same as everyone else and a lot of the focus and a lot of the effort from parents and educators and therapists was about working on their deficits to bring them up to almost where they're struggling so hard to be as good as other kids or mm. just to fit in I hate that word fit in yeah. but more and more now focus is being put on what they can do and what they enjoy doing because yeah. one of the characteristic things about autism is these peaks and troughs these islands of ability so they may have a big issue with friendship skills and socialization conversation skills but a real strength with ICT or mathematics or it's a bit of a cliche but there is some truth in that as well and focusing on those strengths not only is it more empowering for the child but it gives them something they enjoy they can feel a sense of mastery they're not always just struggling to be almost as good as the other kids they can show that they're great at something true you know one thing sadly that I, I, I hope if, if parents are listening in and they have an autistic kid one thing that we don't like to hear you want to hear this is that your son doesn't look autistic mm-hmm. yo this yeah, is yeah. like the worst thing you can tell. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, he doesn't look autistic. You know, like, do you get that a lot? Like, 100%. Like, what, how does autism look yeah. like? What are you talking about? In the community, <laughs> this is called the Rain Man problem. Mm. So, yeah, because like I said, it's not that people don't under- know what autism is. They have preconceived notions of what this yeah. looks like. Or they think... And, and, and something else as well. Oh, your son is autistic. That's great. He must be a genius. Oh, yeah. I'm that's like, it a that's not, that's yeah, not yeah. right, too. Like, oh, he's good at man. He's good at man. I'm like, this is not the Rain Man. Exactly so. <laughs> and they think what's... It's almost like a special trick hmm? he's like he can do a little what's his what's his thing That's he can so do true. when my yeah. when I was born this day what day of the week that yeah. was and you're like yeah. no this is not you're not counting That's match so days. true that, that happened to us like two months ago yeah, exactly, exactly the same thing but even the word autism has such emotional weight to that label but like when you come to the clinic when you work with me you work I'm working with the child in the room and their practical what's difficult for them what makes their life their parents life and their teachers life more complicated like big house when you were talking about when you got your diagnosis the days after you got that diagnosis your boy wasn't any different than he was at the beginning of that week he was no. the exact same boy with the exact same presentation but now he had this label but it doesn't change what the day-to-day practical Correct. issues are so from my family's Mealtimes, picky eaters, um, all loads of my kids have what I call the beige diet. So only beige stuff, and toast and rice and pasta, everything very plain. Mm-hmm. Chicken nuggets are almost the, the given. That's the one universal. Um, they'll have difficulty maybe with bedtimes are a disaster. And I always say with my kids, it's very, very common. They'll have a trying bedtime. It's not the child that suffers from the bedtime. Everybody suffers yes. from bedtime difficulties. And then mm-hmm. they're asked to go into the school the next day. So, But there's ways to find a solution to all these practical things. So that's what I love about OT. It focuses on the everyday, beautiful, ordinary, but life-changing kind of stuff. That if you can affect change in these small areas, you can get little victories here. Mm. It's immeasurably has a changing effect on this whole family's routine. Mm. If you can get this child comfortable and eating new things, less anxious when they're out in public, it opens a world. Now the school is their, I mean, not the school, now the world is their classroom. They can access yeah. the whole planet around them and it's not scary or overwhelming. Man. They can get beyond their own little sensory armor and be available for learning, not only in the classroom, but in the world and in the home and everywhere. Hey, Sal, you know what we need to do? Go on. We need to have more than one Adam. <laughs>
<laughs> we need to clone him. Yeah, that's no, exactly. 100%. But that's the thing. You know, it's about getting the right support, mm. making sure the awareness is out there um, and getting the right support. I, I just want to share a tweet that uh, I came across uh, the other day uh, from uh, Rachel uh, Romeo. Uh, she said, I... Uh, had uh, such an affirming experience on my eight-hour international flight mm. back from a conference. I sat next to a, a father and son, and uh, in broken English, the father began to apologize and warn me that his 10-year-old son had severe nonverbal autism and that this would likely be a difficult journey. She told him not to worry. She was a speech-language pathologist with lots of experience wow. with minimally verbal kids. Uh, challenging behaviors began even before takeoff screaming hitting her uh, grabbing for her things mm. the father repeatedly apologized but did little else um, so Rachel asked him how his son preferred to communicate how he preferred to communicate uh, he didn't seem to understand and uh, she said perhaps this was a language barrier but I think instead the child had very little experience with communication therapy. She says, I put away uh, the talk that I was working on and I asked if I could try and he nodded. She said, I tried to see if he was stimulable mm. for, a com for a communication board. She started by pulling up some standard images for basic nouns on her computer. Uh, but she could tell that screens really bothered him. Hmm. So <laughs> she just drew on a, a normal piece of paper after that and she said it clicked she made symbols for the things that he was grabbing for his favorite stuffed penguin and for his dad he took to it very quickly she said uh, i introduced uh, way more symbols than i normally would but hey how often do you get an eight hour session with someone <laughs> she said by the end of the flight he mm. had made several mm. requests initiated several times and uh, his behavior had reduced quite a bit and the mm. father was astounded Clearly, no one had ever tried an AAC approach with him. I gave him the paper and showed him how to use it, and he nearly cried. Wow, that's <coughs> fantastic. And it's amazing, too, because like I said, remember, every type of behavior is another form of communication. So perhaps the only way this child had to communicate their needs mm -hmm. was to behave in such a way, was to get upset or was to say, this is uncomfortable. Maybe a lot of my kids' flights because obviously Dubai is a very transient place so people fly all over the world with long yeah. haul flights all the time yeah. so my families will come into me around like April, May with fingers crossed going we're, now we're starting to anticipate these flights home over the summer and it's not getting through the airport standing and waiting security the pressure in your head when you're taking off and landing all of these things can seem like Mount Everest you have to you have to climb sideways across the Himalayas up and down peaks non-stop to get where you're going but all of these solutions to all of these things and it's helping the child have the tools that they can use to communicate their needs mm. or to overcome these things it's not trying to this is an important thing. It's not trying to nerf the world. It's not trying to avoid the hardships. It's trying to give your child the strength. It's not lighter burdens, it's stronger shoulders. Man. And being able to make them have the tools they need to navigate all these stresses. Like yeah. I said, armored against the slings and arrows of fortune. That's what they're going to be. You don't want your child protected. 100%. Even though it's very intuitive to say, let's just stay home. It's easier. We can protect this young person. We can make their life less stressful, mm. but a ship at what is it that beautiful throw quote uh, a ship in the port is safe but that's not what ships are built for he needs yeah. to navigate the high seas hey, uh, adam's absolutely right 
Exactly. We have to continue this conversation uh, right after the break. There is uh, so much more to talk about. We're going to uh, continue the conversation on uh, making sure that we do get the support, uh, whether we're parents of autistic children or whether we need to understand more about autism ourselves. Uh, so much more to come here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. The Shasha story. Live beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, we are back uh, with Adam and uh, Big Hus. There's a lot to talk about here, but what uh, is important, I think, and particularly as we go into the new school year, Adam, mm. um, you know, thinking about, and of course, Big Hus, but thinking about, you know, how do we deal with the situation now? You know, what kind of support does the teacher need? What kind of support does the child need? You know, when we're thinking about, um, you know, getting our kids, our autistic kids through school. Yeah, you want your educators to feel empowered and feel like they have the tools to support this child's overall learning and development. And that's true regardless of their age. That's true for nursery teachers and middle school and high school and even those older kids as well. That teacher the educators I work with is one of my favorite things to do because these people are so passionate about helping the kid and any real teacher any I don't even use the word teacher I like educator better because that's what they're it's almost like a vocation for them what they all they want is to make sure this child is available for the learning the same as any other kid mm-hmm. it's frustrating if the child is inattentive or they're just not accessing what's going on in the curriculum. They're just, some of the times I'll have an inclusive classroom, but for, it's not even the teacher's fault, but the child will be seated in the class, but they aren't really engaging with the learning that's going on around them. So it's really getting the child available for all that beautiful learning. One of the, there's lots of strategies depending on the child's difficulty. So a lot of my kids will have sensory issues. So they're very, very fidgety and very squirming in the classroom with a little practical of these specific exercises and movement techniques and some little like tools and there's things like weighted vests and wobbly cushions and stuff that gives mm-hmm. them just enough sensory input that they're now a bit much more focused and much more able to pay attention to what's going it's on. It's interesting that you talk about you know the the sensory vest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, watching the uh, Temple Grandin uh, clip from the movie, you know, she actually created a machine for herself that would hug her. Yeah, I have that machine. I you have, have it that. in my, there's like a clinical wow. version of it now called the Big Squeeze. It's awesome. It's really, really cool. It kind of looks, if you see like a pasta maker or a laundry like mm-hmm. thing. Right. That's what there. it looks like That's to what me. it looks like. So the child goes through the rollers and they get squished and get that sort of squishy hugging sensation, but also they can control it. This is something we didn't talk about actually, mm. but it's very important too, is the idea of giving the child control of these things. Yeah. Like a lot of those self-stimulating behaviors, it's a child's own way to get some sort of mastery and control of their yeah. environment. Mm. But my kids, the most common things we'll see is they have sensory difficulties that stop them accessing the learning. They'll have maybe some socialization and friendship skills. So mm-hmm. we can, having little classroom buddies and having the teacher provide some little, just arrange the classroom dynamic to support that. It's wonderful as well. And you can have really good success. A lot of them have fine motor skills issues. So mm-hmm. handwriting difficulties. Again, these are, this skill development, it's not that it's easy, but there is a very, very strong precedent for doing it. I can do that. No problem at all. Um, easy peasy. Adam, I'm interested to ask you a question. So my, my son Ahmed, when he was uh, about five years old, my sister was pregnant and he's five years old and he never really um, connected with, with, with her before, but she was pregnant. So we were having dinner and she's like, you know, stood up and he just out of nowhere went and hugged her, hugged her belly. Hmm. What, what, I mean, I, we got, we all got emotional at that point. We were thinking like, yeah, you know, he's autistic. He gets it. But we, we really did. 
I, I think they see things differently. Another story just happened th- three days ago. We were in a place, hip hop jam. There's people breaking, DJing, you know, oh. people skateboarding. Yeah. I took him there, and he loved it. It's like he's he's trying to skateboard. So two things happen. You know the skateboard when you flip, right? Yeah, yeah. So so he took the skateboard, and there's a skateboard in front of it, and he went there, and he's like, he 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 saw him doing it, and he flipped it by his hand. You know, he he was showing him that I need, I wanted to flip. He, he, he didn't cool. say it. He was communicating. It. He was yeah. communicating that way. Another thing happened. I met a friend of mine whose brother is autistic. Mm. And Ahmed doesn't really communicate a lot and, and show uh, passion, uh, mm. uh, compassion. So when, when I met this guy, when I met this guy and I said, hey, what's up? I had Ahmed on my, on, my, on, my, on my hands here. And then he saw him and he touched his cheek out of nowhere. So again, like he never really does that. Is it is it maybe is it is it something that they can feel and see things maybe because he had a brother that's autistic is that something really crazy to think about Perhaps. that he felt that way or that's really no way like well it's it's hard to tell because it could be just your child's personality as well mm. it may not necessarily be the diagnosis but one of the beautiful things that highlights is there's this also a misconception that because my ki- the kids I work with sometimes they don't seem to be seeking social connectedness yes. that they don't want friends mm. or that this the love is kind of a one way street no these guys are a lot of my kids they really really want friends they love social contact but it, it's a little bit challenging yes. for them so being able to ha- have shared enjoyment doing things like when you went to that hip hop yeah. event that's fantastic that's crazy but, yeah. but again again, in that event I still had people saying my son is weird in a way, mm. they just look at him. He's weird, like he because he, he would run around, do this, and he would laugh at things. That's really fun. I'm talking again, yeah. guys. As a parent, as a human yeah. being, I see this. I'm like, it's fun. I like to hang out with him. Yeah. Like we know we go we go to a place to play, and he would act extra happy. That's yeah, yeah. something else. Extra happy. We we would do something. We win. He'd act extra happy, and other kids would be like normal. I'm like, you're supposed to yeah, act, yeah. be extra you know happy. Do you know what's kind of cool? Think about this because is I see when I get a lot of my teenagers coming in. I have a lot of teenagers who had previously fallen on this like Asperger's spectrum mm. so they're quite very intellectual kids and they can be quite um, like cognitively challenging they'll come in and say oh, alright why should I listen to you this big loud Irishman I've never met before but what have you got to say that I haven't yeah. heard before so a lot of these boys they've got to a place where life was challenging through the school but school's so much about conformity when they start embracing like we said the weirdness when they start owning that you'll see a lot of kids on the spectrum as they grow up they dye their hair blue or they dye their hair different colors or the have slightly different like design styles or fashion styles when they start sort of leaning into that and say yeah I'm different what well, my question it? to you what if he doesn't see it he's different it's like you conform to my world exactly so but this that's the idea of the the difference thing it's that it's something almost it's something kind of aspirational a little mm-hmm. bit like that the, a great way when I try and uh, educate groups of kids one of the things I use is it's different operating system mm-hmm. he's an apple these kids are PCs. If you're trying to run a PC software and Apple doesn't work, doesn't mean it's a broken computer. It means it's running a different operating oh, system. Oh, wow, 100%. Yeah. So that's, that's true. He's an iPhone. These kids are still running Android. <laughs> Yo, man, this is amazing. This is dropping jewels right here, if man. If I could Mr. drop F. this microphone, I would <laughs> drop it right now. <laughs> I think you need to right now. But uh, Big House, for you, um, you know, as we come to the end of the show, what, you know, what, what are the biggest challenges that mm, you want to see, you know, yeah. tackled here? An, an uncertainty with me. I, I, I don't know what the future for Ahmed is. Mm. I feel just now, right now, I'm anxious about it. We are just talking about it yesterday. I feel guilty sometimes mm. that I'm not able to provide. I'm not able to, I don't know what school. Do I put him in school? We went to a school. I saw in the school, there's a lot of brothers and sisters that have Down syndrome. 
I didn't want to put him in that school because I don't know if it's the mm-hmm. right thing to do. And there's a lot of you know things. So. Um, yeah, yeah. It's one of the questions I get asked most. There's some really good educational placements. There's a good kind of network you can plug into. I'll give you a load of links afterwards. One of the things we'll say is look on social media. There's some some of the very best work that's done in this community is not for me. Like the most person most able to affect profound change in Dubai and run this table is not me. It's this man here, Big Hass, because nah. it's parents who are advocating and speaking to other parents. Shows like this begin conversations. Mm. It's the conversations parents have with one another that really, really is profound and chatting mm. that and being part of that community. But look on social media. There's Facebook groups for parents yeah. discussing schools. Yeah. I'll give you a link of a whole bunch of different schools Bless, you can try and, and people just, within schools as well. And I just want to shout you out, Sally. Thank you so much for this opportunity really to meet Adam. And I just want to say to any parent out there don't be ashamed man like this is just you know my son taught me patience he's my hero he's everything that we have shout out to um ahmed as well my wife is definitely my hero yes. she definitely works so hard and again there's a stereotype and labeling on everything but she 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 loves us and this is very important that's a very important thing too because that idea of a united front at home and having mom and dad talking about this being on the same page that's very it's very challenging for relationships dealing with dealing with these issues it is. but it's so so important it's such a protective factor for the child so well done you yes yeah, absolutely and for you um, Adam um, you know well, what is the biggest takeaway that you want people to go away with here now we, we could take this show into another hour and we're going to have to have you back for sure yeah but for now it's just access the right information so you can make an informed decision so mm. that's one of the things I love about working at Autism Rocks we try and be very very open even if you're never going to come to see me clinically if you're never going to get therapies pick up the phone you can call the office you can find us on Instagram and Facebook look for Autism Rocks Support Centre you can meet myself if your child's having big behavioural issues which is one of the very trying things a lot of our families deal with. You can speak to our Rockstar ABA department. They're behavioral specialists and we can give you advice on what the next step is. Sometimes it's coming in to see me face to face and even if I'm never going to work with you, I have some families coming, flying in from other countries or coming from Abu Dhabi. Mm. Practically, maybe you can't access this. I feel that even if you're not working with me, it's my professional responsibility to point you in the right direction. I may yeah. not give you all the answers, but I will sure as heck give you all the right questions to start asking. That's so important as well. And to kind of mention Finally, uh, that it's not about the parents. It's not about shame. We need to, you know, really let go of that so mm. that we can uh, feel like we we can ask the right questions. That we can talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're not alone. There's so many families going through not. the same thing. That's there are sure. networks of support. Access them. Don't make it you against the world. Yeah be part of this. Amazing. Adam Griffin, Head of Occupational Therapy at Autism Rock Support Centre and our very own Big Huss. Uh, we got you The iconic early. Sally Musa, no, ladies and gentlemen. No, thank you guys <laughs> so much. It was amazing. Bless Fantastic. You. And this will, of course, uh, be available on the podcast for everybody to access later on. More to come in the second hour of Life Beats right after this. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.